0: That's how it starts, the fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns, good men, cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the minute. A podcast rewatching, dissecting, and discussing Batman v Superman one minute at a time. We have reached the historic, the epic, the incredibly significant minute seventy-two, fifty-two plus twenty-seven plus two is nine. Welcome to our ongoing experience. Oh, well, what? What's nine? Uh, exactly three by three gladiator right. versus
1: god. Imagine if this is the first episode anyone ever listened to Good and that's Lord. and that's where they th- that's what they hear when they and they're like oh yep confirmed it's just like crazy
0: <sighs> well
1: on that note when last we left
0: i oh, maybe maybe we'll hook some people if you want to go back and listen to it minute 71 Bruce and Clark have taken the latest bait from Lex Luthor separate paths. We're going to continue with Bruce first. He concluded the previous minute by saying the white Portuguese is not a man, which is true. But now in minute 72, we're going to find out what it is and, more importantly, what it's carrying.
1: Master Wei, since the age of seven, you have been to the art of deception as Mozart to the harpsichord. But you've never been too hot at lying to me. The white Portuguese... Isn't carrying a dirty bomb? What is it carrying?
0: We can get the the plot out of the way here. I think that there is a an info dump uh, before we can get into kind of the minutia of what we enjoy in this scene. We get the second half of the line, which is Wait, did you, just, these... did you
1: just refer to Alfred dialogue as minutia?
0: Oh, no, no, no. I was referring to the color of the wireframe schematics on the oh. back monitors that you are oh. 100% going to be talking about.
1: Oh, good. Yeah. I was like, you, you've you been on this podcast. This is a Jeremy Iron scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because
0: I realized that at this point, I don't think it's been established that this is how the kryptonite is coming into the continent. Oh, right, right. For us, this would be the,
1: the first confirmation that... Well, we didn't even know that that's what he was tracking, right? That This just connected a plot thread that um, we now know why they showed us get found in the Indian Ocean. We now know what Bruce has been tracking and and we know that this is sending Batman, you know, Bruce already met Lex, right? But now is sending Batman on a collision course with Lex. And coming out of the nightmare, it's a very, you know, con- what what did he have to be thinking in the nightmare when he witnesses like what is supposed to be kryptonite and then it's not.
0: Well, if I have an opportunity to get it now, The Rock. <laughs> yeah, he'll get it. But he begins by saying The White Portuguese is not a man. Minute 71, minute 72, it is a ship. I guess it isn't referenced by Alfred, but we remember, obviously all of us, you know, intellectuals, remember from the earlier conversation where Bruce said it was a dirty bomb. Yeah. High stakes round, as Alfred replied. And now we realize that while Alfred might have been biting his tongue then, He now says to Bruce that I won't I won't destroy his words because we'll have just played that as a sample. (laughs) But the way that he basically says that that Bruce has been a master of deception since he was a child, but never to Alfred. Yeah. It kind of like backfills now when we when I watch that Alfred knew every step of the way that Bruce was being just as dishonest like to himself as he was to Alfred.
1: Yeah, I think that's the important part here. To, to call out is, yes, it's Alfred kind of calling him on his crap, but also we've watched Alfred be a guiding force as a, as a man throughout the movie, kind of being the the sole thing keeping Bruce Wayne from just disappearing into Batman. Yeah. Because he recognizes the lie, the beautiful lie, right?
0: It was the first thing that he said to him, right? The dynamic here is not Bruce, the child, and Alfred, the kind of surrogate father necessarily because just of the ages of the characters. But the first thing Alfred said is new rules. Right. The the first thing I'm going to say to you is implying, and Bruce confirms, we've always been criminals. You know, it's we are in this together. This is something that both of us are doing. And now as Bruce continues to try to do his own thing, Mm
1: -hmm. we have
0: Alfred saying, hey, I know you're lying to me.
1: Right. Well, and the, the, the lie, like tying back to the beautiful lie, the beautiful lie was that in the dream, the bats took him to the light. Yeah. Um, And that is a lie that he fell for. And, and Alfred did not. Yeah. Um, and Alfred
0: called him on it in that first scene. He knows he right. how the story begins. He knows how it ends. Yeah. Fortunately, and I guess a, a comment there's, I guess I'll, depending on how one feels about the end of this minute, I certainly feel a certain way but Bruce drops the facade I don't know if he was waiting for it or he just is not interested in concealing it anymore
1: or he's changing tactics
0: Alfred says it's not a dirty bomb so what is it and Bruce explains that it is kryptonite it is a mineral that is harmful to kryptonian cells and Lex Luthor has found among the fishies (laughs) (laughs) a whale and is bringing it into Gotham and he's going to steal it from him that sadly alfred ever the optimist ever someone to believe in
1: bruce to destroy it right to to keep yeah. thor from getting this well and he knows right he knows bruce does he knows exactly why he wants it but he's he's remaining his conscience right the the voice in his head telling him what's right
0: what he knows is right yeah one thing i'll call out here is that i love i love that this commits to the comic book code. It is Lex Luthor. (laughs) Yeah. I think the thing that I'll call out here that I kind of alluded to before was when Alfred says it, it brings up that memory of him when he was kind of admonishing Bruce in the previous minute. And Bruce did that like, kind of, you know, like scolded child look away
1: Mm -hmm. here. The previous minute, like back when, Oh yeah minute 8 the the, <laughs> the the new rules
0: yes yeah new rules um bruce was looking the petulant child unfortunately <laughs> yeah
1: he, he literally just looks away from him
0: yep uh and we get a cutaway to him doing that unfortunately here when alfred says to to take it out of luther's hands to destroy it the expression on bruce's face is no longer concealing anything he looks uh I'll just say mad in terms mm-hmm. of in the um,
1: madness. The rage, right? The fever, the rage that turns good men cruel. Batfleck in this movie is driven by his rage. That it's not just like the trauma, but there's like an addiction to it. He's feeding something inside of him and Alf- Alfred is doing that same thing. He's saying to destroy it. He's not our enemy. You know, He and he's, he's just being that voice in his conscience here. And so it's not just Bruce like switching tactics. He's Exploding at the reminder that he's being controlled by his rage, and he hates it, but he's addicted to it, and he can't get rid of it. I know
0: that we get we get that full kind of unleashing in minute seventy three. Yeah, minute seventy two. This the look on his face reminds me of when Clark said, you know, a lot of people don't. The Bat Vigilante, he's just waiting for a target uh because mm-hmm. when when Clark said that the smile on Bruce's face it was a smile but it was condescending and self-assured and a little bit crazed
1: mhm you, know, like,
0: you have no idea what you're talking about but I do and all I can do is just grin because I see it he's now taking Alfred's gentle reminder of who he actually is supposed to be it's just funny like it's not like funny ha ha it's it's madness right i mean that's this is what alfred was talking about is he is just in the these seconds of this minute you get a glimpse of what a release that will be right yeah. to to take vengeance with a smile on his face and we're we're going to see batman with a smile on his face a few more times throughout this movie and it's almost never good <laughs> um
1: yeah it almost reminds me of like that shot it's it's a the art is a little bit weird but intentionally so, of the Dark Knight Returns of Batman, where he's like grinning and like like hunched over. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Yeah. yeah, very much. It's like that, like devilish grin.
0: You, this is this should be frightening. Like this is not. Yeah. Batman is supposed to be in control. Batman is supposed to be emotionless. If he's neither of those things, then oh no,
1: right? Things are about to not get just being... so much worse. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And he's not just just being emotional, but he's snapping. Um, he's like he's not escalating. He's he's um, he or cre- there's no crescendo. It just it's it's on and off.
0: And un- um, unfortunately, the Bruce that we know and the Batman that we know should. Well, I'll just say that Alfred's response is, "You want to go to war?"
1: Well, that's not what Batman was supposed to be ever. Which I think, speaking of like being driven by emotion like batman is, has always been the darker hero and that's the reason why is because he takes his emotion out of it and he's just the cold calculating and what's different here and it's it's very overt because it caused a lot of it still causes lots of arguments about his portrayal but the difference here is that the taking emotion out of it is no longer something that he he is doing he's very much being driven by emotion by his fear by his rage and those fundamental changes to the to the character is what results in all of the things that are symptomatic that people point to the the killing the cruelty etc if the kryptonite was already something he was investigating this confirms like yes this is a thing to pursue it's going to and he's thinking oh i can get to it you know the warning from flash said lois is the key but he also said fear him and he's thinking i can prevent this if i stop him from getting there in the first place, which I can do with the Kryptonite. You know, why why does it have to be five years before I can get on that truck and get the you know, there's not even Kryptonite there, but I mean before we try to steal the Kryptonite to kill him, I'll do it now and prevent that scenario from ever happening. And I think the other interesting part here also is Alfred was not in the nightmare scene. And so all of this stuff that we've talked about with Alfred, about how he's what's stopping Bruce from disappearing into the Batman. He's his conscience, he's the voice in his head that keeps him human, that reminds him or tries to, you know, he's the only one that knows that, that it's a lie. And so you look at, you know, the nightmare, that's the first thing we mentioned in, in that, in that first minute of the nightmare, he walks out that door and he like look, looks through the binoculars and then it shows his face and he's just, his eyes are black. And so to think of the idea that this is, this is not just a future where Superman has gone evil. It's also a future where, Bruce has lost Alfred, his moral center, his conscience, the man who this whole movie has been stopping him from disappearing into Batman, and now that's what it looks like is the the black eyes and and Batman is, is gone. Or, or not Batman, Bruce is gone. There is only Batman.
0: Like Bruce's unconscious mind is trying to get him to realize the truth here with the stained glass and the pairing of trauma and now this nightmare sequence of, well, all manner of things. Unfortunately, then Bruce wakes up and
1: decides to kill Superman,
0: <laughs> yeah, but he, but he decides to take all of that trauma and emotion and drum roll, force it to make sense to, to what his um, baser instincts at this point, like his darker instincts, he well, comes out people of that, that suffer.
1: People that suffer from trauma. I mean, one of the biggest, um, and especially with like childhood drama, like him, one of the biggest like impacts or or hallmarks or w- one of the the ways that it, it like chemically like permanently alters your brain is people who are who are victims of childhood trauma tend to rely on their like fight or flight instinct way more. Like the the neuro like the synapses in their brain skip a lot of the What's a hold on let's think about this yeah exactly and, and 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 they get triggered and they jump straight to the You know, once again, that's why the Batman persona is supposed to stop him from doing that. Right. The Batman is supposed to remove him from that so that he can say, no, let's go through this mental checklist of, you know, all of these things. And this is the Bruce that is not Batman is no longer doing that for him. Now it's Alfred's the only thing that's saying, hold up. Is it really a war? Do we really need to kill him? Like, let's go through all of those steps before you run to your like end of the line solution. And something that, like Rich said um, when we interviewed him, that the nightmare was added late in the game, but and and it's been criticized for like not fitting in the movie. But especially in this moment here, I think it's so rich in what it adds to the story and like the subtext that we're talking about here. That this would still be a significant moment without the nightmare, but knowing that that's all in his head really drives this home more. The trauma brain saying this has been a war. We have to stop him. And then he experienced the nightmare, and he's like, "Of course, I was right. I was right all along," because uh, he's lacking that. Am I perceiving things correctly? Can I trust that vision? What could he have meant by those other things he said, other than fear him and you've always been right about him, and etc.? Like that's he's not cognitively processing that way.
0: I think this movie also is is adhering to the comic book idea of Batman that was beautifully put by Scott Snyder, who said that Bruce took the trauma of the worst thing in the world that could happen to a kid and turn to his entire existence into an engine of meaning, like to make that
1: mean something. The world only makes sense if you force it to.
0: Yeah. And, and we, we look at that as a positive, but, but that is so ripe for examination as what is the other side of that? Tom King's Batman did that a lot more. I'm just going to go off on a comic book tangent, but, Tom King's Batman said, I do this be, to try to be happy. Like, I do this to try to find happiness. Like, I, I have to believe that this thing that happened to me gave me meaning. That, that right. what I devoted my life to has meaning. Now, take that into this world well, that's 18 the beautiful months ago. Lie. Yeah, the exactly. The beautiful
1: lie is if I commit my life to this, I'll prevent other people from experiencing this. But it didn't because thousands of people still had that happen to them and it happened to him again too he lost jack you know he lost all of his people and the the old batman the batman with rules was supposed to safeguard against that happening and it didn't so screw the safeguards now it's war now i need a weapon
0: yeah that was a very visceral image of him on his knees like you could lay alfred's lines over that of never and we we talked about it at the time it was him a kid again you are meaningless in the face of this and that mm-hmm. has driven him completely mad. The listeners, just to to keep that in your mind, I think that is why – that's kind of emblematic of why I wasn't even upset or annoyed or frustrated when people would say this isn't Batman. In my mind, it was just this is so valid an examination of Batman that I'm I'm not even – I don't even have a response to that because this is like – this is the question right. of Batman is – Did your life, did you make your life mean something? Or is this, you know, like Mask the Phantasm? Like, your parents did not want this for you. Like, this Mm -hmm. is not, you are not making the world a better place by doing this. This is about you, Bruce. Like, this is about you making that mean something. But, oh my God, what would you become if somebody threw that out the window?
1: Right. Well, and you talked about Scott Snyder and and Tom King and and comic book approaches to *Mask of the Phantasm*. All these classical interpretations, but you come back to Snyder and what does he say about this? Like, this is real life. This is how this works. Like in a comic book, you can you can do that. You can have that beautiful lie. You can have that archetype that that works that way. My heroes don't kill. They don't betray America. They don't. You know, they don't do all these things. And you look at like, you know, he did the same thing with *Watchmen*, and it's like, no, the the reality of like. There is not, a, there is not a, a reality in which a Batman can exist where he doesn't kill. That doesn't mean Batman should kill. That doesn't mean Batman is better if he kills. It just means you do this job the way he does it for long enough, people are going to die at his hand, intentionally or not. And And it's not shying away from that, but then it's taking it even further and taking those concepts that you talk about, but then just tweaking it with, okay, well, what happens when those rules fail? What happens when his reason for creating this batman structure around his morality fails
0: yeah and i guess like when you put it like that like the the movie versions whether it's michael keaton or christian bale it's like it's usually like you're so good at being batman that the issue is when you think like oh maybe i can be happy without this and that's like i get that that's a I mean, that's Mask of the Phantasm too. Like that's, it's just one of the ways,
1: but like the, the scene you were talking about with his parents, is like one of my favorite scenes in Mask of the Phantasm where he's like, I just don't want it to hurt so bad anymore. I could give money to the city. They could hire more cops.
0: But is that betraying? I, I like that in this case, it's okay. Well, what if Batman's test is maybe this doesn't matter, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it isn't, oh, he's so good. He's such a, he's this guardian angel. It's Like, why would you ever stop being Batman? Right. Like, because it was a complete waste of time. Like you're and not only is it a complete waste of time, but the thing that is making it seem like a complete waste of time, uh oh, might also kill the entire world if you're not able to stop it. Yeah. Understandably, we end this minute with him grinning, filled with the euphoria of madness and giving in to his I uh, it's not yet bloodlust. But it kind of is like if you read between the lines of what he's saying here and what he's going yeah. to say.
1: Well, I think it's I think it's there. It just he doesn't know it yet. I, mean, I guess we should leave some of this discussion for next week or next. Um, we should leave some of this discussion for the next episode as well. But I think that it's a weapon line is so like people. The argument over over his characterization in this movie is whether or not you know does Snyder understand Batman? And you say, well, no, he. He's not people say he's not Batman. It's like, well, that's kind of the point. That's what Alfred is saying the whole movie. Right. And so you get here and that's such an on the nose statement. It's a weapon. We're at war. Bringing back the the my favorite phrase. Is it too obvious or, or, or too subtle that he it's just outright in the dialogue there? He says it's a weapon like that is that is saying this is not your Batman anymore. He has gone away. He has been defeated. Uh, he has he has been he has given in to fear. That's what all of this means. And I think that when I mentioned the the idea of him being in the nightmare and Alfred not being there, we don't know exactly how he experienced the, that reality. I get the impression that it was it was very visceral for him. And so you wonder what else is he aware of from that world? Like, obviously, he doesn't have a complete memory. Otherwise, he'd understand what happened right. to get there. Right. But I th- I think he would know Alfred is gone. Alfred wasn't in the Batcave. He, you know, Alfred wasn't there to tell him these things and so maybe this is some subtext that i'm adding in but i think when he says like count the dead he's including alfred in there right and maybe even jack like jack is his business (laughs) so you know all these these people that he surrounded himself with that made him better that made him bruce wayne that make him batman are dead and so when he says count the dead he's he's even he's like you don't even understand i'm not just talking about you know i'm not not talking about saving people in the alley anymore i'm talking about saving you like you are my only link to the, like to the world anymore. And you are, are going to die because of this count
0: the dead. We will be doing that until
1: our next episode, I guess.
0: Uh, one by one, we'll be reviewing the man of steel footage.
1: Um, And I know we just went on and on about that. And we're like wrapping up. Um, I think because I gave you a hard time for saying minutia, thinking you were talking about Alfred, we totally skipped over the. I don't know if we can either talk about this here and then cut it in, or just leave, make this the last thing we talk about. Oh please, yeah, this is we've last but certainly not least is uh, when he walks into the the Batcave. I think we haven't seen this close of a look like we've seen his area by the computer. We've seen where the where the car comes in, and we saw like the red wall. I just really like this this whole bat cave concept because it's very it takes what's been great about the bat cave in the past but it's like a perfect mix of like you have the nolan bat cave that's just so stark and it's just literally a cave and then you have like the other more classic bat caves that are that are like almost way too sci-fi where it's like that's too cavernous and it's too like that wouldn't actually exist and so not only do you have like i think i mentioned before i love how the computer is almost like the animated series giant terminal um but then you go in here, and it brings and it introduces something that's really cool, and it's that r- the red walls, because like red light is way easier on your eyes, and so also like it's it's a cave, and there's obviously water, because you're seeing the water reflect on, on Alfred's face, so it's damp. So it's you know they're not gonna leave like like papers and stuff all down there to get like moldy and and whatever. So but also you don't wanna be looking at a screen nonstop, and so I just love how everything he's got has like diagrams that are on the wall that it's just part of the it's providing ambient light, but it's also showing all the diagnostics and it's the red light, so it's not gonna be like destroying their eyes or um or interrupting Bruce's probably very specific REM cycle um <laughs> with like too much blue light or whatever. Um it's probably me looking into it too much. But um no, I just really like that. And then also I noticed that the um Batmobile has two seats, which I think is something that's been discussed before and I've never looked specifically to see it there we know he lost a, a Robin. We only really ever see him be the only one that uses it. Um, but it was designed for, for two or a driver and a passenger. So tragic. There is, there is concept art of, for this movie of, um, I think it's Lois, but someone with red hair, um, sitting in the passenger seat next to him. Um, I have no idea what, what that was for, you know, concept art doesn't always really line up with the script. Um, so it could have just been, you know, it could have been literally just anything, but, um, I was looking around for lots of Easter eggs. And there's not really any, any huge like gadgets or anything in the background or in the diagnostics, but it's just, I really appreciate the overall Batmobile design or, um, Batmobile, but, um, Batcave design. It's got like a bond layer, um, aesthetic. Uh, I told Patrick to that on, on Instagram once, and he was like bond layer. I love it. So I, I guess I assume maybe that's something like what he was going for <laughs> when he designed it.
0: Yeah, and and do we do we put much significance into once again this is Alfred who is constantly like literally fixing like he like he's trying to repair and maintain Batman. I know that um the next minute is going to be tense. The next minute is going to get political. Enjoy this one while you can. That will do it for minute 72 um just picture Bruce smiling to get you through until we get to minute 73 and keep up to date with the podcast, get notified when there's a new episode or when other random BVS Snyder Batflex stuff uh, is shared by following us on Twitter at BVS by the minute and subscribing in iTunes or your podcast app podcast pod catcher app.
1: Is that what it is referred to? Technically it's pod catchers. Yeah. But I don't know how many people actually use that that phrase i just say you can find it everywhere you find your podcasts because
0: yeah until then join us in counting the dead
1: oh (laughs) Um, it was one of those sounds that i made and then i was like you know what i i couldn't have made that specific noise if i had like intentionally set out to make it